There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I have some very serious questions to ask you right at the beginning of this episode. Number one, will God's people be in this world when his wrath is poured out? And if so, will they be protected? Or will they be persecuted at that time? Number two, as I covered partially on the last episode, what is the difference between the word tribulation and the word wrath? Number three, why is it that all unsaved people are referred to as children of wrath in Ephesians chapter two? And then finally, what is the difference between being a vessel of wrath and a vessel of mercy according to Romans 9, 22 and 23. And so we've got a lot of territory to cover. And the key word, of course, is the word wrath. And this is not a subject that I want to teach, but it's certainly not one that I can ignore. It's in scripture and it's something that we have to deal with. What does the word tribulation mean? It can mean hardship, grievous trouble, severe trials, overwhelming temptations, afflictions, or suffering. What does the word wrath mean? Fierce anger, resentful indignation, vengeance, or punishment as the result of anger. In a holy way, I believe God resents what human beings have done to his paradise world. And that will reach a peak in these last days that will reach a final expression of a release of wrath in these last days. Wrath is hovering over human beings. That is the default condition of the human race. Let me give you a scripture that deals with that. John chapter 3 verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so whether a person recognizes it or not, there's this dark, ominous thing hovering over the life of the person who refuses to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath of God abides on him. But like sunshine breaking through the clouds, in the same chapter, the Bible also says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we deserve to perish. We deserve the wrath of God to abide on us. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, all of that can be canceled and we can be given hope and a new beginning. Thank God for that. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how we were by nature the children of wrath. Let me read several verses. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, 
in the sons of disobedience. Now listen to verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, and thank God those two words are there, but God, who is rich in mercy, for because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with Christ. The King James says, quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together, made us to sit together in heavenly places. Well, if we're sitting together in heavenly places, where are we? We are enthroned with the Lord Jesus Christ because he said, he who overcomes, the same will sit with me in my throne. So we've gone from the very bottom to the very top because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want you to see, though, that wrath is not just the default condition of the human race, but it's also determined by behavior. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 says, Be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has walked in love. And then it goes on to give a whole list. You know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous man, Uh, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The King James Version says the children of disobedience. So because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon them. So it is determined by behavior as well as the status We have inherited from Adam the status of separation from God, the status of being under the curse. Now, let me take you to Romans chapter 9, verses 22 and 23. This is all building up to the questions I asked at the beginning concerning the uh, concerning the issue of whether or not the saints, whether or not the church will be here when the wrath of God is poured out in the world. Romans 9, chapter 22 and 23 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had before prepared for glory? So there you have this huge contrast. Notice that both the saved and the unsaved are referred to as vessels because a vessel is an object that is purposefully created to be filled. And we will either be filled with the mercy of God or filled with the wrath of God. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. And if you make the decision to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you become a vessel of mercy and God pours out on you his glory. Praise God. Now, is there an expression of the wrath of God reserved for the last days? Absolutely. Absolutely, it's called the day of his wrath. Or in other words, the full manifestation of God's wrath will happen on the last day. I believe the very last day of this age. Jesus said that all the Father gives me shall come to me, and I will raise him up again at the last day. 
Quite a bit has been reserved for the last 24-hour period of time here on planet Earth. And I believe it's going to be very intense, extremely intense. Romans 2.5 says it this way, and it's a rebuke to the ungodly. In accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And so there's a reference to a day of wrath. I believe, again, that's a literal 24-hour period, a day at the end of this age when God will fully pour out his wrath in this world. And we read about it in Revelation chapter 6. When he had opened the fifth seal, let's start with verse 9. Of course, that chapter is all about the seals being broken. There's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. And this chapter is all about the seals being broken. And when he opens the fifth seal, John saw, uh, or when the Lord opened the fifth seal, John saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And listen, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each one of them, and it was said that they should rest yet a little longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Now we get to the sixth seal. And I looked when he had opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth like a fig tree shaking its Uh, being shaken by a mighty wind and its figs fall into the ground. Then the sky receded at a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of its place and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the commanders and the mighty men and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? First of all, I want you to notice, normally a lamb does not know how to exhibit wrath. A lamb doesn't have the nature to retaliate or to be angry. It's a very docile and meek creature. If you kick a lamb, it will roll over and Wait to be kicked again. It doesn't exhibit wrath. And normally, the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ is all mercy and grace and his goodness poured out on those that incline their hearts toward him. But even the Lamb of God will be pushed to an extreme response in the last days. And notice once again, it singles out a particular day. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, immediately in the next chapter, a protection plan is mentioned. And that's when there's 144,000 Jews that are sealed with the seal of the living God. And 
Listen to how John worded it. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Now, whether or not that's different than the seal that is applied at salvation is questionable. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to harm the earth and the sea. And listen to what he said. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So apparently, God's going to supernaturally protect his people. Now, it mentions in that chapter 144,000 Jews that are sealed. But then it talks about a multitude without number of Gentiles, people of all nations. And the question is asked, who are these? Where did they come from? And the answer is, these are those who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so I tend to think, even though we are not told specifically, I tend to think the multitude without number is also sealed with the seal of the living God. However, we have this wonderful promise in Revelation 7:10 that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So God is going to counterbalance the insanity and the chaos that's going to manifest in this world. And incidentally, this could be 50 years from now. Every generation tends to overshoot it. It could happen soon. It could happen decades from now. But we do know this, that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. And the word salvation means deliverance. Now, what does that mean? And when is that going to happen? Let me take you to 1 Thessalonians 5. And uh, let's go through the first nine verses. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So once again, we will be aware of the closeness of his coming. The world outside of a relationship with God will be surprised. We will not be surprised. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And again, that builds to verse 9 that says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. This says that we should wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So I do believe one way or the other, there's going to be deliverance hovering over God's people. Put all those thoughts on pause for just a minute, because I'm going to come at it from a different direction now. I'm taking you to Revelation chapter 12. 
I insist that the church will not be the recipient of the wrath of God in the last days, but we will be the recipient of the wrath of Satan. And that's very clear in Revelation chapter 12. It starts out in verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon uh, prevailed not, nor was a place found in heaven anymore for them. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. And then I heard a voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. So again, when Satan is cast down to this earth, that's when God said there's going to be a manifestation of his kingdom that is superior and supernatural. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of our his Christ have come. And then it says in verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. So I have a message. I have a prophetic for foretelling that we will overcome because we already have overcome. This is in a sense, in the past tense, because it said they overcame him. John saw something yet to happen to millennia in the future, and yet he put it in the past tense, and he said that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Now listen, verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. We will not be recipients of the wrath of God, but the church will be a recipient of the wrath of Satan. And then on toward the end of the chapter, verse 17, it talks about how the dragon was wroth with the woman or filled with wrath toward the woman clothed with the sun, which, of course, there's many interpretations of who the woman clothed with the sun is. I believe it represents the wife of God, comprised of the redeemed of both the Old and New Covenants, all who have been born again, spanning Old and New Covenants. Uh, and, And so it's all who have been married to him in a covenant relationship. And the woman is pursued by a wrathful dragon who makes war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Two things, and that's an Old Testament element and a New Testament element. They keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now let's jump real quickly. And and I realize I'm not spending a lot of time on all these particular subjects. These are passages you need to go back and prayerfully ponder and spend more time reading. But then we go to Revelation chapter 16, and this is where you read about the seven vials of wrath, according to the King James Version, or bowls of wrath, according to the New King James Version. And this is the final judgments to be poured out on the earth. Uh, Now, I do not believe that the seals and the trumpets and the vials or the bowls of wrath are sequential. I do not believe they happen one after the other. If so, if you read it carefully, 
It's like the world comes to an end three times, which would be impossible. We just read about the sixth seal and the great day of the wrath of the Lamb coming and the people crying, let the rocks fall on us for the great day of the wrath of the Lamb has come and who shall be able to stand? And the sun turned black as sackcloth of air, the stars falling from the heavens. That's the end of the world. Well, then you come to the seventh trumpet and the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. That's the close. That's the final conclusion. And then you come to the end of the vials of wrath. And once again, it sounds like everything comes to a conclusion. I believe it's telling the same story three times, but with different beginning points. Same ending point, but different beginning points. And Revelation 16 Then I heard a loud voice from heaven, from the temple, saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore, excuse me, a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Now let me insert here that one of the first visions God ever gave me, one of the first uh, revelations God ever gave me concerning the last days, referred to this very passage of Scripture. Because I saw the man who won me to the Lord and me come around the corner of a high skyscraper building. We were walking through a big city like New York or Chicago and in front of us were hundreds of people writhing in anguish because these sores were all over their body and they had no relief from them. But what was most amazing is the glory of God radiated from us to such degree that you could see us from blocks away and there was not one sore on us, not one, because we were protected. I do believe there will be a tremendous supernatural protection on God's people in these last days. And I believe it will be a time of prophetically declaring the word of the Lord. It will be a time of glory. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth, and gross darkness will cover the people, but his glory will be seen on you. That was demonstrated in that vision before I knew much about the book of Revelation at all. God gave me that visitation. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And the angel of the water said, You're righteous, O Lord, the one who was and is, the one who is and was and is to be because you have judged these things. They have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Then I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel, listen now, poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. The fifth angel poured out his bowl of wrath on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues in pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. 
Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and the water was dried up, so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And then it said that unclean spirits like frogs went out. Out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, they're the spirit of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the great day of God Almighty, the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Now, I read all of that so that I could give this verse to you, Revelation 16, 15. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So God's people will be on the earth when this is happening, or he wouldn't have given this promise. He wouldn't have said, blessed is he who watches. There would be nobody here watching for him. Blessed is he who keeps his garments. There would be no one trying to maintain a righteous life, robes of righteousness. So he inserts that promise for the people of God. And then they gather them together to the place in Hebrew called Armageddon. Now, the thing I want to share with you about Armageddon is, well, of course, it describes a final holocaust that is disastrous. Uh, it talks about how every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And, and certainly it's a global catastrophe when whatever takes place, probably a nuclear holocaust, but whatever takes place does take place. And two chapters later, Two chapters later in chapter 18, listen, it talks about how Babylon has fallen. Now, again, I don't have time to go into the revelation of what Babylon is. I believe in the beginning, it stems from Babel, and Babel had three elements, spiritual and governmental and economic. And those were the three ways that, uh, or those were the three reasons that Nimrod gathered all the people under him in the seven city kingdom. And of course, out of Babel grows Babylon, and the word Babylon means confusion. And I believe it's the globalist mindset, the globalist mentality to gather the whole world together under their united headship that will be, first of all, political, the new world order, spiritual, the new age movement, unifying all religions, and economic, the global banking cartel. And that's Babylon. And also, I believe Babylon economically is centered in New York City because that is the hub financially of the entire global commerce and listen to what God says in Revelation 18, verses 1 through 5, at least that many verses. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. In other words, Babylon is completely overtaken by demonic spirits. 
For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her delicacies. In other words, there's been tremendous compromise of morals and integrity and honesty in order to fit in with the globalist economic system. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, now listen, listen now, this is talking about the clothes of the age. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. And I've often wondered if Revelation 18.4 is the rapture on the last day of this age, being caught up to meet the Lord right before the world self-destructs. And I'll get to more support for that in just a moment. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquity. Verse 8 says, her plagues will come in one day. Her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. I had a vision from God years ago, several years ago, of New York City being destroyed. Destroyed. And I believe that has something to do with this chapter. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And then verse 10 says, for in one hour your judgment has come. And so on the last day, during just about an hour's span, that's enough time for God to cause the whole thing to implode. And the Bible said the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over Babylon and no one buys of their merchandise anymore. All right. It's a terrifying scenario. However, Isaiah 26, I've already used this passage in a previous episode, verses 19 through 21. This is the Lord speaking to the body of Christ. And he says, your dead shall live, or this is the Lord speaking to those that are about to be resurrected. And he says, your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise, awake and sing you who dwell in dust for your dew is like the dew of herbs and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as it were for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, for the earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. So once again, I believe a lot can happen in one day. And I believe the Lord will come in flaming fire, all his holy angels. The illumination of the sky will be so intense. The light of the sun will be like the light of seven days. We will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air when the final destruction of the planet takes place. And then we will return with him to set up his kingdom in this world. And he said in Luke 17, 24, for as the lightning that flashes out of the one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day, like a flash of lightning around the entire globe. In those days and after that tribulation, Mark 13, 24 through 27, the sun will be darkened. 
The moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall. The powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory, great power and great glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. And so those who have gone on, who are in heaven already, will be gathered for this event. Those who are still on the earth will be gathered for this event. And it will happen after the sun is darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars fall from heaven. And then he shall send his angels and gather his elect. So however it all pans out, however it evolves, however it is predetermined to take place, we will have ultimate victory. And so regardless, we can look to the future with expectancy and hope because that blessed hope is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.